Hello, 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 and welcome into episode 12 of the Bear Claw Media Podcast. I'm Chris Bolin, joined as always by Ben Schleiger. How you doing today, buddy? Oh, not too bad. You know, uh, a close run-in with the, the rotten potatoes, you know, almost got there, but, you know, it was a much better showing, so thankfully uh, the home crowd had something to look at last week, or uh, yesterday. <laughs> yeah, no, that was definitely... Um light and day or night and day like light years better than the montana game um unfortunately same result but you know uh this this big sky conference slate has been full of moral victories for unc and uh honestly this idaho game was no different kept it very close for about three three and a half quarters and then lose by two touchdowns um it's it's disappointing but also also pretty encouraging at the same time yeah, I think the thing that people outside of our conference and that are just, you know, box score scrolling, uh, that they're missing, that this is the number three team in the country, that it was 10-7 at half. I mean, that, that's pretty darn good in my opinion for uh, flipping around from a 40 to nothing defeat in Montana that was absolutely embarrassing, uh, <laughs> no pun intended. But this this week, there was there was fight, there was effort. I mean, shoot, this... This was a weird game. We were uh, not aware that Sermon or Gibbs were going to be out. And the list of injuries or potentially ruled out for whatever reason type players uh, just kept on surmounting. I mean, Sermon and Gibbs were unavailable this week, according to coach. Uh, Jaquez was on the on the sideline. Uh, Little Arrington, Christian Arrington, he was not available. Uh, Pell's been in a cast for a while. Mo, um, Aiden Mo on the offensive line, he's in a gnarly looking cast with some bandages, so that's not good. Hogue, who knows? We've given up on that boat. Uh, Darius Stewart was unavailable. That was a bummer because that one two of far with Afari is is nice. Uh, and there was there's a list of more guys not available and a list of uh, younger guys or new guys who were stepping up and playing key roles, and they did a fantastic job. But I don't think us Idaho or anyone included was expecting to see what we saw. Yeah. Um, I was especially not expecting it when I saw honestly a handful of names that I had not heard all season uh, when UNC came out. Um, but a lot of them played well. Um, Caden Mize running back or Meese, uh, he had a couple of fairly explosive handoffs. All of the running backs were slippery, um, who knows how much of that is they're probably pretty fresh because they haven't having dealt with a ton of uh ton of carries or production up until this point. Um but yeah, encouraging encouraging moving forward. Um but will, I'll be interested to see what this means in the next couple of weeks. We were talking a bit off or before we started recording. I would be fairly surprised if anybody else but Sermon started if Sermon was healthy. Um, just cause I think, I think Sermon and Lamb kind of have something. And I think, I think Sermon still wants to play after this year. Like I don't, not in college, but I think he wants some, some sort of pro opportunity. Um, I don't, I doubt that this year has helped his chances a ton, but I mean, more, the more game film you can, you can put out there, the better I feel. Yeah. I think if the decision is up to Sermon that he'll definitely play, uh, I don't see that for, changing for any reason getting to see uh shea money uh kui kendall 
uh, was fantastic. Um, you know, it wasn't his best performance, but I mean, hey, for being thrown in there and for our anemic passing scheme that we run, uh, kid did really well. So he should pat himself on the back for that. It's just, you know, it, it's tough when you get that close with with uh, so many young guys in there, so many non-starters, and you just wonder, like, if Sermon was available, would would this be even closer? Or on the flip side, are are the young guys, like, learning and are they adapting to the scheme so much easier? Like, are the new, are the new guys the future? Like, I think we have a lot of good questions on our hands, but unfortunately we still have questions and we don't have wins. So <laughs> it's, it's tough, but at the same time, like our defense came out, you know, roaring. Uh, we got three sacks in the game, which isn't much for any team, but it's a lot for us. And really those guys were flying around. I mean, when Alfred Smith, he is, uh, He's not a big dude by any means. He is listed as 5'8", 155. And I swore this kid ran the fastest he's ever run in his life to uh, chase McCoy all the way across the field and never hurt him, nothing, probably because he's so lightweight and just got him from the back. It was it was great to see those young guys getting those, those great opportunities. Um, another one of those that really stepped up for us is Ladavian Osborne. Um, hey, he got our, our lone interception of the day, and but he did have two pass breakups. So you know that that redshirt sophomore really stepping up. It's encouraging to see that we have guys that are able to do the job, and that we do have key players and good players here. It's just they haven't been able to always get that shine on them this season. Yeah, Osborne. Um, I I literally had his profile pulled up when you mentioned him. He came like so out of nowhere. He doesn't even have a photo on the website. <laughs> like he's a sophomore also. No photo. Um, but you mentioned with all the uh, all the starters missing, I feel like this game would have finished exactly 27-13, no matter who played. I feel like this team is just, is just destined to lose by a touchdown if they play well. No, like it, it just seems, I don't know. I I feel like I think the Cal Poly loss still broke me because you know there's no reason with with the efforts they've put up against every single team besides Montana that they shouldn't have taken care of Cal Poly by at least a couple touchdowns um maybe Lamb talked um not really he kind of didn't want to talk about this <laughs> team not knowing how to win early in the season and I think every game just kind of proves it like mm -hmm. that. I, I don't know. I don't really know what else it would be at this point. Like, I feel like they've had five, at least five fair chances at winning this games this season. And they're Oh, for five. So I, I agree. The more, like it was, it was encouraging and it was nice to the individual performances were nice, but I feel like I'm just like kind of over this season as a whole. Yeah, I, I I do share in your your sentiment and your disdain. Um, I think mine is a little bit more focused. And <clears throat> again, I wouldn't say anything on here. I wouldn't say to somebody's face, but I think I've been saying it for a while. And some of the parents have been in my DMs, and there's been other fans who are just like, "What's wrong with our offense? Why are we still running a scheme that doesn't get us down the field?" Um, 
a lot of people were just losing their minds with the seven run plays in a row just to get the game done last week. Like, sure, it was out of hand. Um, there probably wasn't anything we could have done about it with who we had in the game because we don't have a ton of explosive players outside of our running backs available that game, at least from what we know of of their skill sets right now. But this offense is just not working. It's just we're doing slightly better than we did with someone who's never been an offensive coordinator before. And we're in the same boat as QB coached offensive coordinator. Again, like I just, I don't know that it's working out. I think he needs some help. I think we need to scheme to, to fit the players fits. And I think it, it fit Kui Kendall well this week, but I don't think it's been fitting Sermon well. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I think part of the problem with like, the sermon fit in the offense is I think they're they've designed the offense to do what like most of the players do well but I don't think that matches what sermon strengths are because I feel because I like the offense I think it looked it looked like more consistent this week with uh, Kai Kendall Um, and because I think he's a little bit better at like the short like timing based routes, you know, like more in the like not necessarily in the structure because he he can extend the play a little bit, but more I feel like because of that they were left with less second and tens after an incomplete pass on a play that should have worked, you know? Like Kai Kendall like hit the 4-yard slant and it was second and 6, and because of that they were able to run the ball twice and pick up a first down. You know where I think Sermon, he throws a great deep ball. And all year, I've just, I, I feel like you've got to be sick of like hearing me talk about it. Like, I just wish they would let him, I, I would rather just throw the ball deep down the sidelines three times and punt than, than like kind of the, the dink and dime stuff. But so I wonder, I guess I don't really know what my point of this whole rant was, but I wonder if, if like even though sermon i would say is probably like a top half of the big sky quarterback i wonder if when he's like gone if the system will naturally like make more sense if that makes if that makes sense i think it will make more sense but does it make more sense for the big sky cuz like it'll make sense with the players being initiated into it and that being what they know for college football and just growing and learning with that. But I don't know that this is an explosive enough uh, offense to be able to make it in the big sky. I mean, consistency is nice, but if you're consistently not making a first down and just like you're, you're getting a couple yards at a time and you're just, you're just, you know, doing that little itty bitty, like little chunking along, like that's nice and all, but it's just, I'd rather have us have a worse completion percentage and throw more picks if we're able to move down the field and score more points because having the same well Weber's probably passing at this point but <laughs> our 13.8 uh points per game as passionately put out by uh tubs of the club um it's it's untenable you know you can't do that in the nfl you can't do that in high school our defense is so much better than they look but when we can't bail them out with points 
you know, they get frustrated, they get demoralized, they start walking around. Um, none of that happened this week. Everybody was trying their asses off until that pick six happened. But I mean, it's just a matter of we have such a good defense and I I think Hadley's defense is really going to work well in the big sky. I just don't know that Peterson's approach to the offense is going to be enough production for us. Fair. See, I, I straight, I do not, I don't know. I don't think it's a coaching thing. I just don't think the offense has very good players. Like for lack of a better term, I think, okay, give me, give me like a minute here. You're good. I think, I think we are, you know, um, I feel like the crossover of people listening to this and people who played slash still play NCAA 14 is, is pretty close to a circle in the, <laughs> the Venn diagram. Um, it's like, and Georgia State is the worst team in NCAA 14. It's like when inevitably all of us would, would start that franchise with Georgia State to do like the entire rebuild. And we'd play like that first non-conference game against like Georgia Tech or whatever. We're running that offense. We're like, we need to get, we need to run the slant at like one yard or hand the ball up the middle. We let's just keep, let's chew the clock. Like, I feel like that we're just working and, and I think it really starts with like the offensive line. I don't think they, I think they've tried to go deep with Sermon a little more than I even I like want to give him credit for it. He's gotten sacked a lot when they do. Um, I think Kai Kendall, I don't know if his pocket presence was better, if he was just like a little smaller and like more slippery. He seemed to kind of be able to step up out of the pocket and turn those those like four yard sacks into losses of none or like a one yard gain, you know, which I think also kind of helped in this this version of the 11 play like 55 yard drive <laughs> like offense that UNC's running um but see I don't I don't think it's necessarily a problem with I don't think this offense is untenable at the big sky I think most offenses are untenable with UNC's offensive line in the big sky cuz I think if they tried to run what Montana State runs they would probably score less per game because I don't know how many how like much success they'd have handing the ball off 60 times you know I but that being said 13.8 points is probably like 13.775 now right but it, you're right it it is it is inexcusable I think you're right I think I think something that is probably one of the the most poignant things I've heard all season is from Dennis, our SID at the school, is he said, this is year zero. You know, he's working with layover. He's working with, you know, a first batch of guys he's kind of recruited into, you know, it's it's a hodgepodge right now. And you're right. Like, maybe, maybe the Peterson offense could be better as we get players that are meant to fit the scheme and meant to um, mesh and complement it well. I could see that happening. That is something that um, I could see as building blocks as we build into it and we build up to it and we go from 13 to 17 to 20 <laughs> to whatever. I, I, I like that. I see that as a nice developmental long-term approach. I just don't know how much patience the fans have after they were burned with McCaffrey. I think <laughs> we're looking for a quick fix. 
and kind of like our conversation with Sloter is this is going to be a long-term, you know, raise, raise the kid up from, from the ground up type deal. Like, you know, it's, it's not going to be an easy fix. And I think you're right. Some of us might be too impatient and we just need to see what they do with recruiting, see if they're able to make their identity um, be something that does work in the sky. Yeah. I also could very well just be drinking the Kool-Aid. You know, I, I feel like as, as it falls on the fan scale, I'm, I feel like I'm often way more patient than the average bear. And that's not always a good thing. So um, there was one thing, I think it was midweek this week. And, uh, you know, UNC's limited budget. I think they only have one camera that they all pass around. So the, the midweek presser wasn't recorded. Um, but I, Lamb said something along the lines of, uh, like, I have a long contract because the university believes in me to turn this around long term. Which, you know, I think I think that like the five year deal is what McCaffrey got too, and I imagine it's probably what Ernest Collins had on his first deal. Um, but the fact that he brought it up kind of it made because it feels like he's probably had some sort of conversations with with like the athletic department, like letting him know, hey, I even if it does get loud, I like we have your back, like. You don't have to worry about it like on our end, you know? I would sure hope that's happening because um, Darren Dunn made a hell of a reach with McCaffrey. And we didn't feel that way in the beginning. In the beginning, we felt like, oh, wow, this is like, this is different. Maybe he's going to bring in big names. Maybe he's going to bring in, you know, fancy stuff. And granted to his cause, he did bring in some like decent names. We did have our highest recruiting classes ever. Uh, we got field turf that looks really nice, uh, much better than that Inferno, <laughs> Kyler. Um, and we got a nice, fully funded um, weight room slash athletic area um, that's separate from the underneath the bleachers uh, hallway that we had before. So multiple teams can actually work out at once. Now, if we could probably get some visiting locker rooms for multiple <laughs> sports at a time, I think that would help because... Idaho was loud about that one. They're like, was that a classroom? What the hell is that? Um, but yeah, I think Lamb was very quick to defend himself in, in the post-game conference. Um, he, you know, right off the bat, he kind of stated out there that, you know, people might not like what we did today. Um, I'm proud of our kids, but I'm going to defend my decisions and I'm okay with discourse. And I thought that was incredibly bold but also nice to know that he's not easily shaken so i think i think he's disappointed just like we are you know this was supposed to be much better season than nothing no wins potentially <laughs> but i think he's also unshakable in, in the sense that he sees that there's progress he sees that we lost by uh one score to weber uh two scores barely to um sac state and idaho and, you know, Weber's gone through seven different personality changes this season. But ultimately, those were still tough teams at the time. So I think the the gap is closing. But the fact that we haven't closed the gap on at least one of those games this season is where the fans are just getting a little bit clammy. 
Yeah, I, I, I think there's no doubt that the gap has closed significantly on um, f- from the beginning of the year, even like after really just like there, it felt like a switch was flipped, which seems funny to say since they are still winless. But if they played so much better during comp, like during Big Sky games this year, um, and I feel like we'll probably get into this a little um, bit in the power rankings, but. I feel like everything resume wise, UNC has looked so much better than uh, Cal Poly. And still, it's just something about like getting that gap completely closed is just, is just they're struggling with it because they've, they've done everything but win to this point. I, it was probably harder to lose that Weber State game by two touchdowns than it was to win. Like at several points there, I feel like it was almost. Like if you you know you have like the odds that little like line that like win probability throughout the game if there was if there was a separate one for losing that game by two touchdowns it would have been at like zero and the win probability would have been at like ninety four mm-hmm. that it's just they just can't win they just can't win a game right now I think I think those games have been for different reasons I mean this this game was we were trying to make uh a four-minute offense, go down the field and score a touchdown and a potentially a, a two-point to win it if we thought we were tired or go into overtime. Um, and our, our guys were just a little bit too green to just execute that that drive fully. Um, with Weber, you can apologize for the coaches, but neither of us are bear apologists on this yeah. podcast. I'm not going to apologize Weber, for those ones. I think the Weber one was completely just a – uh, over excitement and over, I think they got they got confident before, um, before they they should have been. You know, it's kind of like one of those like receivers wide open. He you know ball's coming in his hands and he's looking upfield and he didn't make the freaking catch. So I think that's completely what we did on that game. That's if we were going to win a game, it should have been that one. And I will put that one on the coaches. But yeah, I that think, one I feel like is very fair to put on the play calling. I I will give you absolutely no um, gripe about that. But overall, coming back to a positive, I <laughs> I think the gap is closing. It's it's closing at home at least. On the road, that Montana game was awful. We didn't even recap it because we don't need yeah. to. We don't need to tell the players what they did wrong because it was almost darn near everything. So, <laughs> um, the road games need to that needs to be our emphasis next next uh, um, season is. Close the go gap on road games and win at home. I, I think it's as simple as that. It's just we can start developing that confidence at home and quit looking so bad on the road. Well, speaking of uh, closing that gap on the road, uh, UNC has what should be a marginally more winnable game than the last couple. Uh, going to NAU next week. Uh, yet you... Honestly, I'm surprised I haven't heard this stat around more, but you have like the most interesting tidbit every time we talk about Northern Arizona. The home team has won 14 in a row in this series, which is which is wild when two teams play every year alternating home and road. Um yeah, what uh give give me some thoughts on Northern Arizona. Uh Northern Arizona is much like Weber, they're going through an identity crisis. Um, 
unfortunately the quarterback that they rolled with last week is the one that I hoped that they rolled with all season. So unfortunately we're going to see Angel Flores. Um, he's coming in. He's, he's a little bit of a newer um, player. I think he's a freshman or a sophomore, um, but between him and Tiger Adolfo also be on the, on the field as a, as a runner quarterback for two plays. I think that's kind of dangerous for us um, personally. You know, I rubber stamp this. I'll still rubber stamp it because it's the rivalry. God damn it. You know, this is our one rival that we have that uh, you could actually say it's a rivalry because of the, you know, seven and seven that we split. Uh, well, it, it might be eight and eight and six, but ultimately the, the 14 wins um, is just whoever's at home for the last, last times have, uh, have won it. Um, we almost, almost pissed that away with McCaffrey, but thank goodness. I think if I hate to say this, but in the modern D one era, if we were going to have a moment that was the drive, unfortunately Dylan McCaffrey was our quarterback for the drive (laughs) and it was utterly fantastic to listen to. Um, I was away on vacation, but I had it on KFKA and that, that drive should have never worked. It was, I think it was 94 (laughs) yards and we also scored the two point conversion and, you know, thankfully we kept the streak going. Um, so this series is close. Uh, I, I keep on pestering Tom Wistersill and the big sky conference. You know, we, we need a game. Come on. Cement UNC in the conference. Give us one of those dorky little trophies to fight over. If we screw it up and lose by a million for 20 years, it is what it is. Just continue it. But like, this is a close series. This is a good back and forth. We're both Northerns. I think it definitely needs a trophy. You know, the Rocky Mountain Showdown is already taken, so that's kind of like, ah, damn it, because, like, they're in the mountains. We're, like, next to the mountains. I don't know. I I think think the Northern Rivalry Trophy is a decent name for it. And, you know, mauled around with it, throwing graphics out there. But I think if if we were going to have a trophy game with somebody, this would definitely be it. No, that... Makes complete sense. I love the idea of the trophy, but I was really, when I first um, saw your little note in the doc about what would the trophy be called, I've been, I was like, I bet I can come up with something good by the time we get that point. No, I have nothing. I, I have nothing better than the Northern rivalry. Um, But I feel like we could, we could workshop the name, workshop a trophy. Maybe we'll just, we'll just start giving it out. Like just unofficially every time they play in Greeley, the two of us will just walk on the field after and give it to whichever coach won. Right. Yeah. I I think the last one I I pestered Tom with was the Northern sky rivalry. I don't know. It's like, I don't hate that Northern sky. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure the, the pretty pine trees kind of cloud their view of the sky, but uh, we, we got some nice, Nice views out here with our cow pastures. It is kind of funny that two of the southernmost teams in the conference have northern in their name. Right. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, I think uh, that'll do it for us wallowing in our misery talking about UNC. Um, let's, take a, let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, we'll take a look at, at Big Sky this past weekend and, and moving forward. So there was one game this week that really was kind of the headliner of the Big Sky slate, and um, 
let me tell you, it disappointed. It potentially could not have disappointed more. Uh, Montana just absolutely take care, taking care of business at home against Sac State, um, 34 to 7. A walloping, marginally, marginally better than the 40 to nothing loss the Bears had up in the same stadium last week. But uh, what, I, what can you take away from this? I don't want to get too high on Montana. So I've been forcing myself to like temper my expectations a bit, but they, they look dominant. I mean, I don't want to be too high on Montana either, but you'll see in the top 25 <laughs> that I miserably put them <laughs> higher up because unfortunately this is another ranked win and it looked fantastic. I mean, shoot, like this makes our loss last week look better and that's <laughs> impossible to do. I mean, 34 to 7, 40 to 0. Yeah, it's it's night and day. But Montana, they finished drives. I don't know if I'd call it night and day. Well, I mean, well, you're, you're right. You're right. Um, it's just, it's night and day teams that played, but oh. a, a similar result. Yes, um, I, I get what you're saying. My bad. No, no you got me. You, you got me on, on uh, misspeaking there for <laughs> sure. But um, it's just Montana, they finished drives. They avoided mistakes. Is another ranked win. It's... It looked easy, it looked systematic. Um, unfortunately, Bobby Houck is now the most winning coach in the big <laughs> sky at 124. And gosh, he was like in the, the mid-30s for losses. Like, just absolutely ridiculous. Um, I don't know if Bennett wasn't healthy or if the if it was like always the, the game plan to throw the freshman in there, but that was a hell of a time to throw him to the Wolves. Um, unfortunately, this looks fantastic for Montana and tragic for... Sac State, so yeah, go Grizz, I guess. <laughs> I could feel the pain in your voice. It was um, painful to put them as high as I did, but at the end of the day, they have as good a resume as Idaho, so they're nuzzled next to each other. Fair enough. Um, another a battle of this next one's a battle of like two teams where I just don't know. You know, like week to week, I can I can feel about seven positions different on these guys. UC Davis beat Portland State 37-23. Um, the most points UC Davis has put up in con- in a conference game and the most since, I think it was week two, against uh, Texas A&M Commerce. Um, they're finally getting healthy. I think it, it may be a little bit too late. It, it'll almost surely be a little bit too late, but, but maybe – Maybe they can salvage some out of the season, or maybe they'll lose next week, and it'll just be the same same story. But this one felt a little bit more convincing. Yeah, it definitely looked better. Um, but unfortunately, I think the only reason it looked better is because Land Larison was back, and he looked fantastic. Uh, 25 rushes for 136 yards and three touchdowns. Hastings was average. Um, the running backs were carrying the team with four touchdowns total. And that's kind of that's what you expect with the UC or with uh, um, Dan Hawkins team. I couldn't think of his name for a second, but no, I, I you're right. I think Larison being back made a big difference here. And I think the biggest difference of the whole game was the defense being able to uh, immobilize Sasha Ray and uh, oh, was it Joby Joby Mallory? Um, yeah, he he had uh. He won Fat Stats of the Week award last week with 230 yards plus and six touchdowns. And this week, uh, it was much more minimal. 
So yeah, UC Davis defense, hats off to you. That's fantastic. Um, but kind of like you said, it's it's a great effort, and you know it, they should celebrate it. But I don't I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I think it's just too little, too late. Yeah, um, I think I think you're a hundred percent right. I think a lot of these big sky teams have just cannibalized themselves to that point already. Um, I mean, if they did continue to play like this, they could spoil um, Sac State on November 18th. Um, that's going to be a home game for for uh, Davis as well. So if they want to do something special, they <laughs> could they could ruin the the Hornets season. So you know that's that's not all for naught. Yeah, honestly, that's a, that's a good point. There's still there is a lot to play for, even if it's more vindictive than it is rewarding for for the team itself. Yeah, I mean, um, there's there's purpose left in the season and I'm sure Dan Hawkins is, you know, able to to get that across to those guys. It's just uh, you know, at, at 5 and 4, like they could win, but they're they're going to have to win out to even be considered. I mean, people have been blindly putting them in the receiving votes for uh, true. for many weeks for the top 25. So it's it's possible, but it'll have to be their uh, their military appreciation game that they beat Sac State. Yeah, so two two more teams kind of hovering in that middle middle area. Weber State getting getting back on track, beating Idaho State 33-21. Um yeah, it feels like Idaho State's coming back to reality. They they were riding a high in the beginning middle part of the season. Um and I still think no even if they lose out it's a very successful season for where where they started. Um but Weber State kind of getting getting back, I mean on track feels generous, but getting a step in the right direction. Uh a step that UNC would like give a leg for <laughs> a win. Uh I still don't really know what to make of of Weber, but but you know, hey, they're going to move out of second to last in the Big Sky, squarely ahead of Cal Poly now. <laughs> that's that's a heck of a place to be. Um, yeah, Idaho State they they've done great things with their season. Uh, they should definitely be proud with it. But again, to let a Weber State team that's reorganizing their identity and kind of um, re- reshaping the quarterback position. Again, this should have happened weeks ago. This is another one of those. If they did it a, a little bit sooner, it would have been better. Um, they are squarely out of the conversation, so no, no playoffs for for Weber State at all. But kind of like I, I tried to um, warn the Big Sky about is Richie Munoz. He looked bad in his first start, but he's getting a lot better. I mean, shit, twenty six for forty one, two hundred twenty two yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. The kid's improving a lot in a short amount of time. I think if he keeps on it, that that could be a problem for the rest of the big sky. And if they do a two-quarterback system team with Tiger Adolfo, who was very impressive out of Rigby, Idaho, how he got out of there, neither of the Idaho schools didn't recruit him, is just disrespectful. Um, I mean, 6'1", 220, no wonder he was taking carries. So... I think Weber has a promising future, especially if they do kind of a tandem Tommy Malott, Sean Chambers thing with that. So we'll we'll see what they choose to do, but it's nice they got a, a win. Um, it's just, you know, they're kind of fighting for 
where that uh, that mid conference finally ends up at the end of the season. All right, Montana State forty five, Northern Arizona twenty one. Um, a good bit get back game for Montana State. Um, and honestly, for Northern Arizona, one of the closer closer games Montana State has played. Uh, I mean, aside from really the top like top two teams in the conference, they the Idaho and Sac State games that they've played, and we'll see. Um, is not next week, but not this week, but next week at Brawl of the Wild. Um, a, a decent showing for Northern Arizona. I don't honestly think there's too much I, I took away from this game on either side. Yeah, I mean, outside of kind of the, the sicko's perspective of knowing the, the people that they brought in um, that are just waiting on the benches, waiting to get a shot, I think Angel Flores, I think he's going to do good things there. A lot like Ricky Munoz will be at, at Weber State, but there's not much you can do with this absolute freight train of Montana State. Uh, they had 343 yards rushing, five touchdowns. Malott was was doing everything he needed to do. Um, kind of a boring passing game, but effective at 12 for 18 for 126 and a touchdown. And then he also flipped around and was one of the leading rushers with 10 rushes for 107 and a touchdown. So there, it definitely seems like they're transitioning to Malott as they go towards playoffs. Maybe that's so they can keep uh, Chambers for a little bit more of the explosive trick plays, and they're just trying to diversify that offense, kind of like they did against South Dakota State, be a little bit less of a of a, just an absolute, you know, mauler-type um, rushing team. So we'll see what they do with it. And finally, Eastern Washington 48, Cal Poly 13. Quite frankly, Ben, I don't think you could pay me to have an opinion on this Cal Poly team, and I do this for free. So, so take it away, buddy. Oh boy, um, <laughs> I would have loved to have seen the two safeties at the end, but the ESPN Plus feed was like, "Nope, we have like three minutes left in the third quarter, and then our feed cuts off." So that's a bummer. Um, but it was weird. This game was over at half, forty-five to nine, but Cal Poly also forced three safeties. So that's that's awesome. Um but you still got boat raced. So kind of a bummer there um for Cal Poly and again like you I'm like I I don't know what they're doing. They're doing more wins than us, but they don't look better than us. So I think they're improving, but I I I wouldn't yeah. say so after this game. This game was that's done by halftime if if both sides left, I wouldn't blame them. That's fair. I think that's like you can that's kind of going back to UNC. That's one thing you can say is they've improved. Like Cal Poly's they have the two wins early against absolute like joke not joke <laughs> competition, but against, you know, teams that I mean feel like UNC also would have beat, but who knows at this point. Um and they've just looked the same all year. They've just consistently been getting blown out in all these big sky games. Um, so I guess moving moving to the big sky as a whole, I think a same as I don't think much has really changed from last week, uh, at least position wise. Uh, or a lot has changed. My thoughts haven't really changed. Idaho, Montana State, Montana, and Sac State, I feel like are a clear top four, even with that Sac State loss to Montana. And then UNC and Cal Poly are a clear bottom two. And then 
I think this week's rankings kind of prove you can just toss five through ten in a hat and draw them at random any week. Um, there was, yeah, you have what we both have UC Davis at fifth, and they moved up four spots from last week in your rankings and five spots from last week in mine. So, you know, it's, it's just, or I guess, four, yeah, four spots in both, but either way, you know, um, who Portland State dropped heavy for you. Idaho State dropped heavy for me. I feel like there are just so many ways you could kind of like shuffle these middle of the deck big sky teams. Yeah, I I think we know who the top six are. And outside of Weber State, uh, just disappointing expectations. I think it's kind of who we thought it was going to be. Eastern Washington just kind of took their their place. And then, yeah, seven through ten, it's just like we have Idaho State, Weber State, uh, Northern Arizona, and Portland State you know, put, put all their, their faces on a dice, mix it up and roll it out. And whatever's closest to you is who you pick. Like it's, it's a dime a dozen. Um, you know, all, all these teams could play each other. And I think if they were in their own little group and played only each other, it, everybody would be 500. Fair enough. I guess you're probably a little higher on UC Davis than I am. I'll give you Eastern Washington. If you want to call it a top five, um, but I, but I mean, this, wherever you want to draw the line, I feel the exact same. Um, yeah. If you told me Idaho State played Portland State next week, I'd be like, pick them. If you, t- you know, if you told me Northern Arizona was playing Weber, pick them. I, you, like, I, I just can't really get a read on any of these teams. Um, and I think, I, I don't think that anything's going to get cleared up there by the end of the season. <laughs> No, I, I think we'll uh, we'll think that we have it cleared up when we see like all conference awards and be like, ooh, they got more and they got less, or then we'll think that we got it cleared up when we have uh, recruiting and be like, ooh, their class is good, ooh, their class is rough. Like, I th- I think they'll just perpetually be those wild cards, and I mean, un- unless a a whole lot of things happen to um, our top four over the season, I think those are going to stay at the top four. Maybe Sac State kind of bubbles a little bit but idaho montana and montana state have definitely secured um their their stronghold over the conference this season yeah no i i agree wholeheartedly and i feel like sac state will waver but i don't i think they have enough of a bubble really on both sides that they're between their like not necessarily their floor and their ceiling but where i feel like they will standardly be will still probably fall we'll put them probably in that four spot, I'd say. Um, but I guess a good way to, uh, to, to see and to keep this moving forward, let's make some picks, Ben. Uh, I, another, another great week for you, boy. I was four and one, um, <laughs> and you, you were three and two. So just one game behind. We only, uh, I guess we only did disagree on one game and that would have been, uh, you had, what was it? You had, shoot, now I got to scroll back up, damn. You had uh, Portland State. I had UC Davis. And honestly, my whole reason for picking UC Davis, if I recall, was that it felt like Portland State should win this game. So it would make more sense to me that UC Davis would. Um, I thought Portland State I guess was riding so high with that that Joey Mallory performance. I was like, man, between him and Sasha, this is just going to be a joke. Um, if I knew Lan Larison was healthy or 
had been more more himself than the week before oh man i <laughs> i would have chose different so but unfortunately it's not like the nfl you don't get injury reports so it's a bit of a guessing game you know we got we got shea money this week for our quarterback so oof. <laughs> literally yeah and we're not in the building every day but fairly close to the building so if if people are going to know we're probably like three and four outside right um but so i guess here's a good chance to to redeem yourself right off the bat ben uc davis lands larison heading to idaho state um, a lot of weird things happen indoors ben um how weird is this one gonna get i feel awful about this one absolutely awful um and i'm gonna pencil in uc davis because i'm gonna hope that Land Larison is going to account for 75% of the team's scoring again and just absolutely carry Miles Hastings and his confidence upward into getting, you know, at least one or two other touchdowns. I feel awful about saying that because I know Idaho State could be dangerous at home. Um, their passing offense is one of the best in the country, um, but they had negative 33 yards for rushing um, last week. And UC Davis is not the biggest or the chunkiest crew in the sky, but you know they're they're not exactly uh, small fries. They're not not like the service academy where they got to make sure they can actually fit in the boat or the plane. <laughs> um, but I think UC Davis they're a little bit bigger, and as long as, long as they don't get outrun, um, you know, over the top for those seam routes, I think they'll be okay. I mean, heck, Rex Connors is still over there, just absolutely swatting balls and left and right so as long as he can be a ball hawk i think davis comes out with it yeah you know my head and my heart really tell me uc davis here the only thing literally my logic last week is the only thing holding me back from picking uc davis because it feels like idaho state is finally reaching kind of the end of their I mean, if you want to call it a Cinderella run, it was a good good stretch of beginning of conference play. And UC Davis feels like they're getting healthy. So for that reason, like instinct is telling me to pick Idaho State. But I just think if if um, this game plays out relatively normal, I think there's no chance of Idaho State really containing UC Davis on the ground. And I think they'll just kind of run over them. So yeah, I'll go like the, the Bengals end. are like uh, one of those sparklers you get on on Fourth of July, and the one of the ones that kind of like sputters at the end when you know it's about to run out. It's like okay, it started sputtering. Let's grab another one. Yeah, on that's a great great analogy. Uh -huh. So Montana, Portland State. Um, you can tell this isn't a great big sky week because we're already to Montana, Portland State. Um. Montana. I mean, I don't, I don't really have have much else. I think Montana is better, just about every spot. Maybe, maybe not quarterback. Um, I don't think it's enough to make a difference though at this point. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of ground and pound, and I really do like Jovi Mallory and Sachere. I just don't know who else is going to be able to contend. I mean, honestly, I think literally they're just going to get smocked on, like. It's just, it is what it is. Like, yeah, Montana's a wagon, and I, I don't see them getting derailed. 
All right, Idaho at Weber State. Um, Weber State looked better last week. Um, it seems like they figured a couple things out. Um, that being said, Idaho is not going to have two letdown games in a row. I think Idaho comes in, puts up a couple scores early, and this one's never, never in doubt. Give me the Vandals. I'm thinking about this one too hard because with with our uh, underclassmen that we had, you know, we looked really good against them. I don't think Weber State's defense looks as good as ours outside of uh, Winston Reed. He's an absolute animal. Um, he should win big, big Sky Defensive MVP unless something goes weird. But, yeah, I, I think Munoz, he's looking better. This should be like a ballpark game. But I think Idaho's going to be pissed off and running laps in practice. So I think they're going to be mad and looking for revenge. For sure. I love I love your um, – I don't know what the word would be. I love the, the tubs at the club trash talk carrying over into you hoping that, that Weaver State gives them a fight next week. I respect that level of petty, Ben, and I wish I, wish I could get behind it. I'd love to see the petty, but um... – you know, <laughs> Idaho, like, they did so many things wrong, and they still came out smelling like roses. So <laughs> I think they just have it put together. Yeah, I agree. Um, Eastern Washington at Montana State, uh, probably a better game than, than its fourth billing on this list would give it credit for. I still don't think Eastern Washington really has much of don't want to say they don't have much of a chance, but I'd be surprised if this one even ended up close. You know, I think I, I still think Montana State's the best team in the conference, um, despite the loss to loss to Idaho and and kind of a little like shaky national footing that they've been on. Um, I still think give me Montana State in this one, and I don't have really any reservations. Yeah, a few years ago with uh, Eric Berrier and uh, Troy Anderson, this would have been an, uh, a wild slugfest, uh, marquee-type game. This year, yeah, give me the Bobcats by 17 and a half. <laughs> I love it. You know what, Ben? I'm going to put minus 17 <laughs> and a half. If you're, if, you're within, if you're within, say, I'll give you three, either side. You can, you can take an extra point on that one. All right, fair. Um, Again, Cal Poly at Sac State. I think this is a perfect storm for Sac State to be leading by about 45 at halftime, coming off getting embarrassed at Montana and just licking their chops against the Cal Poly team that really hasn't put up a fight against anybody besides UNC. Um, Give me Sac State. Yeah, even if they don't take this as a revenge game and they take it as like a let's get the backups, like some reps for – for Honestly. playoffs, so we can try like fine tune it. You know, everybody on me on same page. Somebody goes down. You know, there's not a not a hitch at all. Everybody just falls in line and steps up. Uh, I don't see how the Hornets don't sting the Mustangs. <laughs> I love it. A little mascot play. Um. All right, moving into uh, we'll move out of the Big Sky. I guess would be a better way to say this. Uh, our game of the week. We had a couple options. But we, we settled on Southern Illinois at, at North Dakota State. Both teams coming off off losses, um, losses against good teams, but both coming off losses. Um, and you brought up a good point. NDSU has a chance to miss the playoffs if they 
if they don't get a win in one of these last two games. And it's not like they're going to have a real easy time in either of these last two. Yeah, no, uh, it's been bad for the Bison. I mean, <laughs> they they definitely have, like, won against some some decent opponents earlier in the season, but they lost to everybody in their region. You know, they lost to, to both teams in South Dakota. Uh, they lost to uh, their awful cousin, North Dakota Fighting Hawks. Like, I don't think that's happened in the past decade, but probably like probably 13 years plus. Um, we'll have to look on that for, for the fat stats. But yeah, I mean, they have Southern Illinois, which is ranked. Um, and then they have Northern Iowa. This is going to be an absolute slog just to get into the playoffs for them from the way they've been playing. And I don't care about experience. I don't care about prestige, history, all that. Um, everybody can see that it's clear the Bison have definitely um, taken things a notch or two down on the stove. Like, it's we're not boiling water. We're just keeping it warm. I like it. I like it. So uh, who do you got then? Yeah, looking through it, like North Dakota State's resume is not even that good. I mean, they beat Eastern Washington. They beat Central Arkansas. Both of those teams have fallen outside of the poll. Um, they don't have a they don't have a ranked win right now. I I don't want to say it, um, but I mean Southern Illinois. They beat Austin P. Um, they beat SEMA, which was receiving votes at one point. Um, they did get absolutely smoked by Youngstown State, which is a, a weird, I'm going to chalk it up to a weird anomaly. Um, but I mean, they kept it within seven with the Jackrabbits and they kept it in, within seven with South Dakota. Um, I, I think that this is a field goal type game. I, I feel like this is just whoever has the ball last and I'm going to hope it's going to be Southern Illinois. <laughs> I love it. Honestly, I was coming in ready to pick um, North Dakota State. And I think after your analysis, I'm now like more confident in Southern Illinois than I than you are at this point. I feel like you somehow pulled me from like behind you (laughs) to like past your level of belief. Um, You know, that being said, like, fuck it, it's college football. Give me give me the bison. Things don't make sense a lot of the time. Um, I, I'm kind of am still with you. I think this is a field goal game. I think it's going to be close unless it's going to be close or an absolute blowout. Like you mentioned a kind of a handful of big um, Missouri Valley games have been. So yeah, give me NDSU. Um, that'll give us at least one split. Cause I think we're actually completely aligned across the board, which can't be a good sign. Um, so yeah, uh, give me, give me the bison and let's, Let's make this one fun. I mean, yeah, I, I I don't feel great about my pick because I think it's going to be definitely a, um, it's going to be a tough one. Like, Southern Illinois has the better resume, even though they don't have, uh, they only have one, one you know, ranked win uh, <laughs> over North Dakota State, and Austin P wasn't even ranked at that time. So it's tough. But the thing leading in your favor is the Bison are one, two, three. Right now they are three and one at home with the only loss being to South Dakota. So this is going to be senior day slash harvest bowl. They're probably going to have that, that dope 
um, dark green helmet with the with the wheat um, symbol on it. So they have a pretty good record in those helmets. It's probably leaning in your favor. <laughs> All right, so let's take uh, let's take one more quick break here, and then we'll look around, go around the country, some of the the more high profile Big Sky matchups last week, and then taking a look at Ben's or, uh, Ben's top twenty five poll. Right, so there was a uh, a number of, of pretty high profile matchups around around FCS this week. Um, South Dakota State beat uh, NDSU thirty three sixteen. I mean, take what you want from that one. The South Dakota State's beating everybody by about three touchdowns. So, um, and then Incarnate Word, who's looked looked a little. They've struggled all season after coming out of the gates hot. They finally they finally fell. Nichols took them down 45-32. Um their defense really really dropped the ball on that one. Um and then Albany 24 beat William and Mary. I know Ben you've been a little low on William and Mary these last few weeks, so that one probably had a feel particularly vindicating. Um but I just wanted to get wanted to get those out of the way cuz cuz there's still four that are pretty uh pretty worth talking about at a little bit more length. So I will I will cue you up on each of those, Ben. Um Furman, barely getting sneaking by over Chattanooga. You've been pretty pretty high on Chattanooga and I think that another another vindication in this result, even though it did end up being a loss. Yeah, I was definitely bummed by this one. Um it just it sets Furman up to their they're going to win the conference. Um, they did everything they're supposed to be as such a highly ranked team. I think last week they were number two. Um, so it fits. Um, they did what they needed to do. It wasn't fancy, but I mean, they took care of West Western Carolina as well, who was kind of a, a hot team in the beginning. So Furman did well. Chattanooga also did well by only losing by three. So I think credit to them for keeping it close, but Furman, you know, they're they're a, a top five team at this point. All right. And uh then oh, then we have Elon t- uh knocking off Delaware thirty three twenty seven. I was trying to quickly see where Delaware Delaware was ranked. I think they were fifth in this last FCS top uh stats perform top twenty five. Um they will be lower tomorrow morning when when the actual poll comes out. That one I didn't feel great about. Um, I probably should have moved him down further. It's just once you get to um, 10 and on, like I just feel like these are so many teams that are going to be interesting in the playoffs for the first round, and then they're just going to be just cannon fodder. They're just, they're just going to be you know bumps in the road for the top five to six teams. Um, who that shakes out to be will really be uh, changing quite a bit in these last couple of weeks, um, especially this week, like there's so much uh, Missouri Valley competition going on that matters. We'll we'll see. It's, it's going to look a lot different in two weeks. Yeah. Um, and speaking of some Missouri Valley games that matter, um, we touched a little bit on this one, but South Dakota 14, Southern Illinois 7, just a, a slobber knocker, for lack of a better word. You don't see many 14-7 games. 
um, nowadays. Uh, so that one, I mean, they, they both, that one could have pretty, pretty significant meaning for both teams, whether it be seeding wise or, or playoff wise. And Colgate knocking off Lafayette 37, 34, how fast Lafayette like burned onto the scene and then flamed out almost as soon as they cracked the top 25 poll. Um, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah. I mean, it's not really their fault. Um, well it is, but you know, it's, it's not their fault that they're, they're flying out as fast as they came in. Uh, it's just one of those conferences that doesn't hold, um, a whole lot of water strength to schedule wise. So for them to stay in, they needed to keep winning. Um, a lot like UIW, I dropped them quite a bit this week because uh, it just it's one of those teams where if you're winning, cool, looks good. We'll, we'll keep you around the same area. If people did a lot better than you, you're going to get jumped. Um, but essentially, we're just going to keep it about the same. Lafayette, it's one of those teams that are playing way above their usual um, their usual sitting in the rankings and whatnot. So they're having a great season, but that great season needed to continue with wins and <laughs> all right. So uh, we mentioned earlier, there were a couple good um, games coming up for this week that we could have chose from for that. Uh, our game of the week. Um, I think other than the Southern Illinois NDSU game, the other obvious contender was North Dakota at South Dakota. Um, this will almost surely be a top 10 matchup. Um, and it'll, it has a lot of the same hype with, it feels like maybe stakes are, it, it feels wrong to say stakes are a little lower in that, in this than the NDSU game, but maybe, maybe these teams will be a little less desperate seeing, you know, both aren't coming off losses and with, you know, a reasonable doubt, like a, a reasonable piece of your like season on the line, you know? Yeah, I think it's it's very essential um, that both team fights for a win because they're not guaranteed playoffs quite yet. And if you drop two, you're not going to be in. So um, whoever doesn't get a win this week has to get a win next week. So definitely definitely similar stakes, but I think we kind of talked about it with the the momentum of South Dakota just being a little bit higher than North Dakota's momentum, especially with that weird you and I blanking that they had a couple weeks ago. I think we both thought Southern Illinois, NDSU, uh, just them both coming off a loss and being a little bit more mid, um, it being a little bit more of a scratch and claw game might be a little bit, a little bit more interesting, a little bit more competitive. And um, one that we didn't think would really be that interesting nor competitive, but is a top 25 matchup and definitely worth worth mentioning nonetheless. Uh, South Dakota State at Youngstown State. Not to take literally anything away from Youngstown State. I just, I, I think any team's going to struggle to beat uh, South Dakota State this year. And probably only maybe, there's realistically only maybe two or three that even can. And I don't, uh, I don't think Youngstown State is quite quite to that level. I don't think they will either, but also looking at it, um, they have one of the most interesting six and three records in all of the FCS. They lost 35 to seven against Ohio state, which isn't good. 
but that could have been a lot worse. Uh, they had a three-point loss to UNI, which is a little bit a little bit odd because that was before UNI was getting good. But they also had a three-point loss to South Dakota, and that's all they have for losses. So if you keep it within uh, 28 with Ohio State <laughs> and your other two losses are by three uh, to conference opponents, I mean, I think that's pretty good overall, especially since both conference opponents are ranked right now. So it could be a, a more decent game than North Dakota State gave them, but I think we're both thinking it's going to be a tough one. Yeah, I uh, I want to believe because I do I do like Youngstown State, and I I just I don't I don't see much of a much of a path here to be completely honest. Um. Okay, so Ben, are you ready? You ready for me to just absolutely tear your top twenty-five apart? Oh, please do, because I already know. Are you ready? I already you know have your too high. I I, I got you... that from James, and I'm like, I know, but I think everybody else is just such an S show right now too. <laughs> and uh, then there's little NCCU just chilling in there, wait, ready to go, just absolutely smack, uh, smack some cheeks at the celebration bowl. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I want I want to like really pick you apart. I I kind I don't hate what you have here. I think I I think I would have Montana State higher than five. I understand why you have them five. I have no problem with that. Um, yeah, you mentioned Youngstown State seems a little high at ten, but I I get why. Again, I get why you have them there. And things it's just been you mentioned that that like a certain like group has been a shit show. Everything. I guess you're right. You kind of, everything has been a shit show, Ben. Like, I feel like even you, you could have probably any number of different, like top, I think the top five seems fairly set. Um, not set, but I think top five seems right. You could put them in just about any order as long as it started with South Dakota state. <laughs> and I don't think I would have too much of an issue. You know, like the Montana, Idaho, Montana state thing, it might kind of settle itself out. It also might not. Um, it probably won't at this point, the brawl of the wild will, it'll matter, but I, I still think there are going to be a lot of questions. Um, yeah, you mentioned NCCU, uh, NDSU, you have them a little lower, but understandable after that loss. Is, is there any team here you want to highlight? I don't have I don't have one real good one to to force you to justify. So, is there any team that we haven't really talked about or that you that you like that or anything along those lines? So, I think you're right with the the top five. I feel very good about those: um, South Dakota State, Montana, Idaho, Furman, Montana State. I feel like they're all solid teams that are going to be either meeting in the playoffs all too soon um, or be making it very far. So I, I gave Montana the leg up at two just because it's another ranked win. They have the head to head over Idaho, um, even though Idaho, they lost that game rather than Montana winning it. But at the end of the day, it's, it's still, you got to be harsh about those ranked wins. Um, that's actually, um, that's a fair conversation. Because we were talking a little bit before, uh, before we hopped on, and you you said it was. Pr I think you're right that Montana has the better resume over Idaho. 
I don't think it's definitive though. I think I I would say I would honestly put them pretty pretty comparable and I think that I think that also may be me being higher on Montana State than average so me giving Idaho more credit for that Montana State win. Um but I I don't think if you flop flip-flop Montana and Idaho I don't think I would care. You know, care is probably not the right word, but you, I don't think I'd be up in arms about that. I could see that one going just about either way. Right. And I, I think out, out of those three, I like them equally for different reasons um, for, for the three Big Sky teams. And Furman, the only reason um, I have them for is I think their record is a bit better than Montana State so far. I think if Montana State, um, when Montana State and Montana meet, that's going to be a big decider and who's who's around two like a solid solid two team and who's going to be more of like a five to seven type team um Furman's just got a, a bit more wins with uh Western Carolina and Chattanooga looking pretty good but I don't think they're I don't think they're better than Idaho or Montana right now I, I disagree with last week's poll having them too um out of who I would high, like to highlight and again they're probably going to get smoked this week. So they're not going to be highlighted for long. But going back to Youngstown State, I think they have been doing all the right things. When they lose, it's only by a little bit. And it's very, um, very just like, like consequential things. Like losing by a field goal, that could have that could have flipped back and forth. That's changeable. Losing by 13, 17, 21 points, that, there's a lot that had to be changed. You know, those those field goal type games, there's something you could have done better to make that a win. So, again, not trying to reward for losses, but good performances and ranked games, I think, should be noted. So I think Youngstown State's kind of my my high riser, um, kind of my my dark horse, per se. But again, they're going to get they're going to get their head chopped off at South Dakota State. So <laughs> um, unfortunately, that's kind of where I'm at with that. I also like Chattanooga, even though they lost this week to Furman. I feel like they've performed very highly when they've had ranked games. Um, 12 is probably too high compared to the national media, but I liked I liked their efforts and I liked their, their full body of work compared to everybody else. I think the CAA is incredibly hard to judge with 15 teams. Um, I mean, shoot, you're only seeing half the conference each year. I think that is such a melting pot, which is... Uh, unbelievable for parity and horrible for consistency. So I got a lot of CAA teams sprinkled in. I like Albany. Um, I like what they've been doing. I don't know how far they'll go in the playoffs. So th- there's some teams in there I sprinkled in. Northern Iowa, I gave them some props. Um, they're more in 15, I think, with all the all the just you know cluster fire within the Missouri Valley. They have a chance to sneak up closer to the top 10 this week. Okay, so I guess we're we're pushing about an hour and hour fifteen. So I uh I just have one more for you. If you had to pick a team, let's say fifteen and beyond, so you can't pick uh so you can't pick Youngstown State, that you could see making not winning a title, not even making it to to the to Frisco, but who could you see kind of surprising people and maybe winning two or three playoff games that, that people aren't expecting. Oof, two or three. That's a lot. That'd be, 
That'd be quarters or semis. To the quarters. I think I'd be to the quarters. So if okay. they didn't get the buy. Man, that's that's a lot to expect of anybody. Um, I think they would have to pull off a huge upset to start, and then have two, you know, fairly medium games. Um, Harvard can't participate. FAMU can't participate. They'll be in the celebration bowl, but they might get their cheeks clapped. Um, honestly, out of everybody in there. There, there's a lot of teams I see going out first round. I would pick Northern Iowa, but I believe in Western okay. Carolina's offense better. Honestly, that's that's very fair, and I, there's a reason you put them all 15 through 25 because you probably don't have as much as much faith in them. But I think those are two solid choices. I think I probably would have went lame with it and went with like a. You know, one of the teams that's been like towards the top for most of the season, like uh, I don't have much faith in Incarnate Word, but I think their offense is good enough that it, they could, you know, I think they could win any two games or any three games as long as they didn't run into a South Dakota State. And so much of it will be draw, you know, because who who do you avoid? Who like what what big logo like rich school? that bought like the home game for the first round can you like match up with it that's like more favorable than you know some some like lower budget team that's actually better uh like and i could see an nd like you know i'd never be surprised seeing ndsu make a run even though they haven't looked great this year um north dakota too has shown some spurts that they can be really good but i think you're right it there's a reason they're kind of they're a little lower down and i I, I don't. I think I'd struggle to see any of these teams really making too big of a splash. Yeah, I think it's just such a top-heavy year. Um, I like North Dakota, but I hate what they did against Northern Iowa. Um, that was absolutely uh, heartbreaking for their chances and just their momentum in general. That should have been a like an even match game, and it was brutal. So Northern Iowa, I think they they have the chance to go far, and I think they'll be a high riser. I think Western Carolina is more of that like deep in there, like dark horse type type teams. Um, I'd say Youngstown State will be in that range next week, probably, because <laughs> um, I have them a bit higher and they, so will, get, they will get again, ask again in seven days. So in seven days, it'll probably be Western <laughs> Carolina and Youngstown State. But uh, yeah, I, I think the biggest reason I gravitate towards Western Carolina is they have uh, that Cinderella offense, it's, it's kind of tapered off. It's kind of been like a failing sparkler, a lot like the Bison. Um, but they had they had such a, a explosive core to them that that 52-50 loss that they had to Chattanooga, that's going to that's gonna be what you need in the playoffs. Defense is fantastic, and if you can you know hold somebody to a low amount of points, great. But ultimately, you just need the higher number. It's a simple game when you let it be. Um, all right. Well, I think that will do it here for us. Um, as always, thank you for watching. If you like what we do, leave a comment, please. If you don't like it, leave a DM in Ben's inbox. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been Chris Bolin, joined by Ben Schleiger as always. Have a good one. Thank you.